We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, everybody, to the final edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. This is going to be kind of part of our CFB Nation podcast as well. We're going to put it up on the CFB Nation channel as well. And, of course, CFB Nation this year is sponsored by Twisted Tea. So we're going to dive into our final section here, guys, which is some really, really big games. Because even though I don't believe right now Notre Dame has a chance at the college football playoff, again, is it possible? Sure. They're not eliminated. They're not, you know, but it's just, it's, it's kind of like, I'm not concerned so much about the path right now because so much chaos has to happen. Well, this weekend is going to be a chance where a lot of that chaos could happen, but more so my focus is on, I want Notre Dame to be in a, in a new year six game against a brand team. Now I don't care who they beat. I want them to get the new year six monkey off their back. That's a big thing. But when I look at this football team, if they can do that against a big time program, that's even better. But Notre Dame has to continue to climb up the rankings. And there's two ways you climb go beat Clemson, go handle your business against Clemson. That's part one. Part two, however, is some teams ahead of you need to lose or at least play not well if you play really well. And that's going to be an interesting part for Notre Dame. So I'm going to break down some games. I'm going to look at some games, preview some games here uh, that we're going to discuss that are going to be big parts of, of that happening. And, and, you know, what I'm intrigued to see about the game, but then I'm going to let you guys know kind of who I'm rooting for in that game and why in regard to how it relates to Notre Dame. So let's dive into these now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm going to go in order of kickoff time. And there's uh, Notre Dame is obviously going to be at noon, so I won't be able to watch this game at noon. But it, trust me, I'm I'm having it recorded on my uh, um, two platforms. I have YouTube TV and Fubo TV, so I'll be recording this game on both of them just to make sure. And that is going to be the noon game on Fox. It is number 23 Kansas State at number seven Texas. Now Kansas State went through a a bit of a, a strange part of the season here early in September. They lost a road a really tough road game at Missouri. And that was a game where I believe the Missouri kid kicked a something like a 60-something yard field goal to, to walk it off against Kansas State. Now, Missouri's gone on and they're six, seven, and one right now. They're only losses to LSU. They're a good football team. Kansas State took them down to the wire at K-State. Their other loss was an 89-81 loss to, at Oklahoma State. And again, it was another game where it was a it was a, it was a game, and in case and Oklahoma State right now is playing at a very high level, and a big part of it is because their running back is going off. Well, he he had a good game against K State, went for 136 yards, but if you look at it in context, that 136 yards isn't nearly uh, as impactful as as some of the other games. But they turned it over too much in that game. You know, Will Howard ran for over 100 yards and had a couple TDs, but he threw three picks and. Uh, they dropped that ball game and, and lost 29 to 21 in that game. A game that Oklahoma State, if you watched it, they were in control. They were in control of that game for a, a good chunk of that game against, against K State. And so that dropped them out of my top 25. They bounced back the next week, beat Texas Tech on the road convincingly, 38 to 31. The last two weeks, K State has been on fire the last two weeks. They played TCU at home and beat them 41 to 3 at both at home. 41 to 3. Just blasted TCU. Then they host Houston a week later. Now keep in mind that Houston is a team that had just taken Texas down to the wire the previous week. So just two weeks ago, they took them down to the wire. K-State had both games over at halftime, folks. Like this, this wasn't a situation where K-State, you know, poured it on late to pull away like Notre Dame did to Wisconsin a couple years ago. It was 20, 27 to three at halftime against TCU. And it was 28 to nothing at halftime against Houston in both games. The second quarter, they just ripped teams up. Now, obviously the week before TCU had gotten back on track with a convincing 44, 11 win over BYU. Didn't matter. They went out and smacked them. As I said before, Houston was coming off a game in which they took Texas down to the wire. And then the week before that, they had beaten West Virginia, who's a quality team this year. So this Houston team is a decent team in the Big 12 and at least decent talent. And they destroyed Houston 41 to nothing. Houston only had 11 first downs in that game. It was a dominant, dominant performance. Rushed for 113 yards, only passed for 95. So they're playing at a very, very high level. And they're starting to get Avery Johnson a little bit of playing time. For you Notre Dame fans that uh, follow recruiting, you guys will remember Avery Johnson. 
He was a guy that Notre Dame tried to flip a quarterback last year, even before Kenny Minchie, because at the time, Kenny had told Notre Dame he wasn't really interested. So we're starting to see them work him into the mix a little bit. Uh, he's had some some good games recently, productive games, rushing the football, throwing the ball a little bit. So him and Will Howard are, are both going to play quarterback. So K-State is a hot team. And now you're playing Texas, who's number seven, and they are a very good football team right now, but they're also playing without Quinn Ewers. Didn't affect them last week. They were very good last week, looked very good last week defensively. They needed their defense to step up, and they did. They beat BYU 35-6. to Now, BYU's not a not a great football team, if we're being honest. We all know that. They're, they're a little down this year. But Texas rolled them. I mean, absolutely rolled him. It was a very convincing win. Texas defense played very well. Malik Murphy did what he needed to do, right? He got the start last week, uh, went 16 of 25, two touchdowns and a pick, threw for 170 yards. And, uh, you know, the offense got rolling. They're able to round the run game a lot more this year with Jonathan Brooks, who's a very talented player. And they've got a t- couple other two younger guys uh, that are running the football as well this year. But it's that Jonathan Brooks is, is their main guy. So Texas is going to try to hope that their defense can continue to play well and you know protect the quarterback and protect Malik. And if it comes down to it, Malik, Malik may have to make some plays. But I love this matchup. You know, obviously K State is a team that over the years K State and Texas have played in some great games. And K State is a team that I think is incredibly well coached. Chris Kleiman obviously has has done a really good job at K State. You know, it's funny K State had tried some other coaches. And I remember Ron Prince initially replaced Bill Snyder and didn't go well. And then Bill Snyder came back, got him back on, on target again. Well, this time they replacement for, for him is, was much better. And, and Chris Kleinman has, has done a much better job. But one thing he hasn't been able to do is beat Texas. They've been, the last two years have been very, very competitive games. And when you look at, um, obviously, uh, Chris Kleinman isn't, is he third or fourth year? Let me go back and check here real quick. He is in his fifth year at, at K-State. So first couple years at K-State, uh, 2019 close game. It was a blowout in 2020 at Manhattan. But he played, this will be his third time playing in Austin. In the previous two games, they lost by a field goal in Austin in 19, his first year. In 2021, they lost by five in Austin. And then last year, they lost by a touchdown in Manhattan. So Chris Kleiman's teams have gone into Austin and been competitive both times, and I really like the way this K-State team is playing right now. Their defense is getting better. Their offense is starting to figure it out. They're a very balanced team. They don't have Deuce Vaughn anymore, but they've really started to be able to find their way running the football. Ran for 343 against TCU, 272 against Texas Tech, 220 against Oklahoma State, and 281 against UCF. Uh, in in four of their five previous games. So I, I like this matchup. I think it's going to be a great game for Notre Dame. Who are you rooting for in this game? You, if you're talking about – if you're someone who believes that Notre Dame has an outside shot at the playoff and you want to have that conversation, which I'm fine with. I mean, it's part of the fun of being a fan, right, is is is, is for that. Then you part of chaos is Texas loses again and then Texas beats Oklahoma in a rematch. That's basically what you're looking for. That's your only chance. Or Texas, you know, maybe drops a couple games. And when you look at what Texas has left on the rest of their schedule, there aren't a whole lot of chances for them to get upset unless they just don't play well. They play at TCU, at Iowa State, and then home against at, at Texas Tech. So if you want Texas to catch an L before they go play Oklahoma State, Oklahoma in a rematch, 
then you're gonna then this is the weekend for you to pay pay attention. Can K State do it? Yes, they can. Will they do it? That I don't know. I don't actually have a prediction for this game because because of some of the uncertainty about guys out. But I I, I like this Texas team. I think they can win in different ways. But K State's a pretty good team too, and they're and Texas only four point favorite at home. So that's going to be a big game. But if you're if you're talking about what's best for Notre Dame, I believe that K-State winning is best for Notre Dame. I don't see Kansas State jumping ahead of Notre Dame if they win this game. I mean, they're from 23 all the way up past fit Notre Dame at 15. I don't see it. And they've got a couple tough games left as well. They have Baylor next week, which won't be a tough game, or at least shouldn't anyway. And then they got to play at Kansas, which will be a tough one as well. That'll be a rivalry game before they are at home against Iowa State. So I uh, really, really like this matchup. It's going to be a very intriguing game. The next game is 3.30 Missouri, number 12 Missouri at Georgia. So I I, I don't know how y'all feel. Love for y'all to kind of give me some thoughts uh, on what you think here. But to me, the odds of Georgia not making the playoff and Notre Dame making it are slim to none. The, the thing I'm more concerned about from a playoff and New York Six standpoint is for other SEC teams to be the number two playoff team or more what I care about is the New York Six game. Right now, Missouri's ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Alabama's ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Ole Miss is ranked ahead of Notre Dame. And LSU's ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Ole Miss, I get, although I, you know, I, I get that one, although I don't have them ranked ahead of Notre Dame. LSU shouldn't be ranked ahead of Notre Dame. And I don't think Missouri should be ranked ahead of Notre Dame either. But they are. And that's what matters. And so 330 on CBS, Georgia plays them. For me, Georgia can eliminate multiple teams at least two teams from the, from being ahead of Notre Dame. One is Missouri this weekend, and then, of course, the other will be whoever they play in the SEC title game. So if you're a Notre Dame fan and, and you want to be a New Year's Six game or if you're someone who has that outside, you believe in an outside chance of the college football playoff, then you should want Georgia to run the table. I mean, that's just the reality of it because Georgia actually can eliminate three teams that are ahead of Notre Dame right now and potentially a fourth because if Tennessee – uh, wins out and they get a couple wins. Look, they're at 17 despite not being very good. They're within sh- distance of Notre Dame. And so, and they've got Missouri and Georgia. So let's say, let's say they beat UConn this week and then go beat Missouri in two weeks. Don't think for a second the committee won't leap Tennessee ahead of Notre Dame, but then they got to play Georgia the next week. So Georgia can eliminate Missouri from being ahead of Notre Dame. This is assuming Notre Dame wins out and they can eliminate Ole Miss the next week because I think Ole Miss, even with the same amount of losses would drop below Notre Dame. And then they can eliminate Tennessee plus whoever they would play in the SEC title game. So Notre Dame fans should be huge Georgia Bulldog fans for the next month. Huge Georgia Bulldog fans because all those there's there's three teams ahead of Notre Dame right now, whether it's either Bama or Georgia or LSU, one of those two, the winner of that game will be ahead of Notre Dame. And Missouri's ahead of Notre Dame, Ole Miss is ahead of Notre Dame, and potentially Tennessee could leap Notre Dame. Georgia plays, will play one of LSU, Bama. They'll play the winner of that game. And then they also play Ole Miss, and they also play Missouri, and they also play Tennessee. So go Bulldogs. It's definitely a game. Now, Missouri gave Georgia a very tough game last year. Very tough game. And and Georgia needed to come back in the fourth quarter. Missouri outplayed them for three and a half, three and three quarter quarters last year. That's exactly why I think Georgia smashes them this weekend. I like this Missouri team as much as I – he kind of – be honest with you, he, he annoys me a little bit. But Eli Drinkwitz has done a really nice job with this team. they got a good quarterback. They've got weapons at receiver. Obviously, we all know about Luther Burden, but Theo Weiss, who transferred in from 
from Oklahoma they have there. Offensive line is eh. Uh, defense is just kind of okay. But Missouri is a really good football team. I really like they're, – they're not a fluky team is the moral of the story. They're not a team that just kind of went out and they haven't played anybody. They, had, they earned their win over K-State. They earned a win over a quality Memphis team. They battled LSU, outplayed them for the first half. Jaden Daniels just had to kind of do some Superman stuff in that game. I mean, he literally put that LSU football team on his shoulders in the second half and said, I gotcha. And that's the reason they won that game. Then they went on the road and smacked Kentucky. And then this past weekend, they smacked South Carolina. So this is a legitimately good football team. And the rest of their schedule is Tennessee at home, Florida at home, at Arkansas. So if they don't lose to Georgia this weekend, you're talking about them being a one-loss team at the end of the year. If They could easily win out the rest of the way if they're good enough to beat Georgia. So then you'd have Missouri playing in the SEC championship game. They beat Georgia. And then you've got a one-loss Georgia team probably sitting there. So there's one less chance for Notre Dame to get a New Year's Six game. The best thing is Notre Dame, for Georgia to beat Missouri. And then that's one less team that I think Notre Dame would have to contend with when it comes to a spot in the New Year's Six game. So uh, I'll be pulling for Georgia here. Uh, to get there now, I I know my guy Archer is rooting for for uh for Missouri because he has much different uh, aspirations and reasons for it. But for Notre Dame fans, beating uh beating uh Georgia beating Missouri is a is a positive for Notre Dame. Also at three thirty, I I I'm not. This isn't a game I'm going to break down. I'm just going to say this: I will be scoreboard watching the Florida State Pitt game. I'm very curious how Pitt responds after what happened last weekend. Not just the beatdown from Notre Dame, but then also the stuff after the game in the locker room. I want to see how they respond. I want to see if they come out and quit or not this weekend, or if they're, hey, they're ticked off and they give Florida State a game. I don't know how it's going to go. Florida State's a 21.5-point favorite, but I'm very curious how that game's going to go. A couple other 330 games that I'm that I'm very intrigued by. Uh, number one is, as I'll be quick with this one, it's going to be on Fox. It's a 330. It's Penn State at Maryland. Now, here's my thing. This is a game Penn State could win by 20. And this is a game that Penn State can lose. And it all boils down to which Maryland team shows up. And that is the great enigma that is Maryland. Because Maryland, when they are playing good football, when they're not turning the ball over, they're focused and locked in, Maryland is a good, can be a, not just a good, a dangerous football team. And then they can just go out and have games where you're just like, dude, how did you get your butt kicked in that game? And you look at them, blew out Virginia, went on the road, blew out Michigan State, blew out an Indiana team that gave Ohio State a game and gave Penn State a game. And then they were right there toe-to-toe with Ohio State through the first half. And then Ohio State just out-talented them the next week. And so you're thinking, you know, this is a good Maryland team. Then they come back home the next week, lose at home to Illinois, and they go on the road and lose to Northwestern. And now they're reeling. But here's the deal they are capable of just kind of saying, okay, we're going to get out of this funk and we're going to go give this team a game. And last year, for example, they lost to Penn State 30 to nothing, just got absolutely destroyed, absolutely destroyed. And what do they do the next week? They gave Ohio State a game. Like they are one of the weirdest teams around when it comes to that. I mean, they they are just, I just can't figure them out sometimes because they will just look terrible one week and then come out the next week and just look like gangbusters. And, you know, you even if you go back to, what was it, um, it wasn't 2020, was it 2018? I'm trying, there was a year, uh, let me find, yes, it was 2018. 
they had gotten blown out by Michigan State, had just lost to Indiana, and they come back home. They are a a five and five football team. They're struggling. They've lost three out of their last four. Lost to Iowa twenty three to nothing. Got blown out by Michigan. Got blown out by Temple. And and but then earlier in the year they'd beaten Texas, who ended up not being that good. But they beat lost Ohio State fifty two to fifty one. This has been Maryland's mo for years. And they beat Penn State in twenty twenty when Penn State was down. Penn State the last two years has blown them out. And, you know, so what, what to make of this game? It's a bit of a rivalry game. Penn State's dominated this series. The Penn State, Maryland won in 2020, 20, COVID year, lost by 30 last year, lost by 17 the year before that, lost by 59 in 19, lost by 35 in 18, lost by 63 in 17. So this has been a really erratic up and down bunch. I think Penn State wins just because I'm just looking at history, but if Maryland plays their game, they have the weapons to beat Penn State because I just don't think Penn State's a very good football team. I don't. And I'm, I'm surprised by that because I I told you all on our show that Penn State was a dark horse team for me to win the Big Ten. Tons of athletes back on defense. A lot coming back on the O-line, which played really well last year. I thought they were going to run the ball. Had some good weapons at receiver. You know, with Lambert back, you got Dante Cephas. You've got good tight ends. You've got a great running back room. And they just haven't been able to put it all together. If they can put it all together, then they'll beat Maryland. But if they don't and they play like they did against Indiana and play like they did against Ohio State and Maryland plays like they did against Ohio State, they can give Penn State a game. And if no, if Penn State loses, then they are they are definitely going to drop below Notre Dame because they are not a very good football team at this point in time. And if you want ultimate chaos, if you're someone looking for chaos, this is what you should be rooting for. You should be rooting for Maryland to beat Penn State this weekend. And then Penn State the next week, to beat Michigan. That's ultimate chaos. And if you're a Notre Dame fan that wants chaos, you want that to happen, and then you want Ohio State to win out. Because if Ohio State wins out, they'll give Michigan their second loss. So that's the ultimate chaos. If you're if you're someone who is a, you know, holding on to the hope that Notre Dame could be a playoff team. I, I'm I'm not really in that category, but it's fair to to still think that they are because you know, again, Notre Dame's 15th in the first rankings. Ohio State was 16th in their in the 2014 first ranking of 2014. Ohio State ultimately made the playoff. So I'm not there yet, but this weekend could shake things up and and, and allow Notre Dame to really vault up the rankings with some teams dropping. Uh, so a couple more. Uh, here's the other 330 game that I'm, I'm going to pay attention to, and this is the one I'm really looking forward to. And we won't talk about it a ton because Ryan and I broke it down a little bit yesterday in the mailbag. Number nine, Oklahoma at number 22, Oklahoma State. Now, this is a big one for me because my fear as far as New Year's Six is that Oklahoma runs a table and then Texas beats them. And then Oklahoma sitting there at 11 and two against a 10 to two Notre Dame team. And they take one of the, they, they take a potential new year six spot away from Notre Dame. What I'm hoping for is that, you know, the big 12 kind of eats itself, but to, to where you're not in a situation where there's two top 10 big 12 teams, that's going to be a big, big key for Notre Dame. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. 
Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. So what keeps that from happening? Oklahoma continue to play poorly. And that's exactly what they've done lately. Oklahoma's not looked good since the Texas game. I mean, they had a great one over Texas. You can make all the excuses you want about Texas lost their center and all these other things. But the fact is, is Oklahoma made the plays they needed to make to win. I'm not taking anything away from them. Since then, however, they've not looked good, in my opinion. And they beat UCF the next week. Well, they had a bye, then beat UCF the next week, 34-29. to UCF had a chance to win that football game at the end. UCF uh, tried a trick play at the very end to, to, to win it and didn't get it, and they lost. And then they come out last week, and they get beat by Kansas. So uh, they just have not looked great. And honestly, they didn't look that great coming in. You know, they, they had a nice one over at Iowa State. They struggled against Cincinnati. They struggled against SMU. Oklahoma's had one really good game so far this year, and that was a great win over Texas. They have not looked great. Oklahoma State is a very weird team because right now Oklahoma State is as hot as anybody in the Big 12. They've got four straight wins, three of them over really good football teams. They beat Kansas State, as I mentioned earlier. They beat Kansas by seven, by seven, and then they beat West Virginia on the road by two touchdowns. West Virginia is a five and three football team. That's a decent quality football team. And then this past week they played Cincinnati, who's not good and they blew Cincinnati out. But one of the interesting things about that matchup was the Cincinnati's not good this year because of their offense. Their defense is not as bad as there's num- as their numbers would would make you think. At least not their rush defense. Their pass defense has been a bit of a mess, but their rush defense has actually been pretty good this year. Uh Cincinnati coming into the last week's game against Oklahoma State, they'd given up 125, 83, 121, 103, 70, 123 and 80 yards rushing in the in the uh, seven games prior to their matchup against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State ran for 315 yards on only 37 carries. And so that Oklahoma State run game right now is a rolling with Ollie Gordon. So that's going to be a really intriguing matchup. Can they keep it going against Oklahoma? We're going to find that out. We are. That's going to be the very interesting part of this matchup because Oklahoma's defense in the last few weeks has looked a lot like it did last year, giving up big plays, not being disciplined, you know, not being able to stop the run when you need to getting gashed through the air, you know, and, and just, they just haven't looked great on defense at all. Do they step it up against Oklahoma state? We'll find out. I mean, this is, this defense gave up 225 yards last week to Kansas. Now Kansas has a very good running back as well. Uh, so, so giving up that kind of yards to, to Kansas and Devin Neal's nothing to, it's nothing to be embarrassed by. Kansas has a really good running back room this year, and they have a mobile quarterback. And they have a, a kid, that, a quarterback that can run. And Jason Bean had a really good, a really good game last week against uh, against Oklahoma. But that's a that's a that's a good rushing football team, and and they, so, but they're not what Oklahoma State's been in recent weeks. I mean, I don't know that anybody has the last three weeks has been as good as Oklahoma State. So if you're a Notre Dame fan, Oklahoma goes down. Now you can say, well, what about Oklahoma State jumping up over Notre Dame? If they lose, if they beat Oklahoma, not going to happen. And the reason it's not going to happen is because Oklahoma State has a loss to South Alabama on their schedule, and you know they're, they're and they've never been. 
pardon me, been a team that got a ton of love from the committee, but their non-conference is Central Arkansas, a, a decent win over Arizona State, decent meaning like convincingly like 12 points, and then a loss to Alabama, South Alabama, and they lost to Iowa State. That's their two losses. So they're not, they're not going to jump Notre Dame. That's not happening. So if, if they beat Oklahoma, that means Notre Dame will be ahead of both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So if you're a Notre Dame fan, that's the game to root for. Here's a couple others. Number five, Washington at number 20, USC. This is a tough one for me. Because there's the, there's the fan side of me that never roots for USC and really likes Kalen DeBoer. I'm a big Kalen DeBoer fan. I, I am. I am. I, I love that guy's system. I love what he's done. Even going back to him as the OC at Indiana, uh, uh, Fresno State before that with Jeff Tedford, really, really big Kalen DeBoer fan. And Michael Penix is a great story. Love their receiving core, decent running backs. And, and I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I can't root for USC to win. Now, take my Notre Dame fan hat off and put on my analyst hat. USC is a team that Notre Dame beat by 28. I mean, they smacked USC. You want to talk about resume building. If Washington beats USC, USC's out. That means Notre Dame has zero top 25 wins. Unless Duke can can somehow, you know, pull off an upset this weekend. Or not, I shouldn't, shouldn't necessarily call it an upset. Uh, next weekend, I should say, because because Duke is uh, – um, no, Duke, Duke, Duke plays Wake this weekend. It, when is the Duke? Hold on a second. Let me look at that one. It's they played North Carolina next weekend. So excuse me. For a second there, I was thinking they played North Carolina this weekend. But they play at North Carolina next weekend. If they can beat Wake and somehow pull off an upset at North Carolina, they got Virginia and Pitt left. There's a chance that that Duke could right the ship and jump back into the top 25, but it's going to require an upset win at North Carolina with a hobbled quarterback. I don't know that that happens. And so right now, Notre Dame, if USC loses this game, is going to their resume is going to be completely built on we lost to two good teams. Can't have a great resume built on who you lost to. It has to be on who you beat. And so when you look at Notre Dame, they need USC to win this game because if USC loses, folks, the odds of USC jumping back into the top 25 are going to be almost slim to none because, number one, they're probably going to quit. And number two, they still have to play at Oregon and home against UCLA. So if they lose to Washington, they're not beating both Oregon and UCLA. I don't see that because it tells me they have not recovered as a team. They would have lost three out of four. Their only win was a one-point come-from-behind victory over Cal, who's three and five. They have to right the ship. And if they right the ship and they jump to eight and two, they can still lose to Oregon next week and then hopefully beat UCLA and be ranked. And then Notre Dame now has a at least one ranked win to build their schedule around. And so, so if you can if you can do it, you got to root for USC to win that game. Now, there's other aspects of it. You know, then that means maybe a second Big Ten team gets in the pack. I, I get all that. That's possible. But Washington will have their chance at redemption over Oregon. And, and Washington would still somewhat control their own destiny if they went out after this. But as far as what's best for Notre Dame, you need USC to win because then now all of a sudden Notre Dame has a very good, you know, second half of the season beat down win over a, a, a quality football team, which USC would prove themselves to be if they beat Washington. So I understand if some of you all can't root for USC, 
but you have to ask yourself, what's greater, your love for Notre Dame or your hatred for USC? And if it's and if it's love for Notre Dame, then root for USC to win. You don't have to enjoy it. You don't have to enjoy. I'm not asking you to enjoy it. I'm just saying that's what you need to have happen for Notre Dame. And then the last game that we're going to discuss this weekend, because this is an interesting one, because it, it, it affects Notre Dame, and it's also very interesting for Notre Dame fans. And that is uh, the USC ABC, uh, Washington game, by the way, is at 730 on ABC. The last game is 745 on CBS. It's LSU, number 14, LSU at number eight, Alabama. This is the the most, one of the more interesting games of the weekend. If you're a Notre Dame fan, what are you looking for in this game? Okay. There's a lot of different ways you can get it. I'm not going to get in all the sides. You're going to have to kind of make that decision because I can understand you never want to root for Brian Kelly. I can understand you wanting Bama to not win plus Tommy Reese, whatever your feelings are. I'll tell you what I'm feeling. Okay. For me, it's LSU at Alabama for Notre Dame. I think the best thing for Notre Dame is for Alabama to win. And I'll explain to you why. And here, and, and then I'll tell you why I'm doing rooting for Alabama as a fan, but as a Notre Dame fan, first and foremost, this helps Notre Dame. Uh, right now, LSU's ranked ahead of Notre Dame. And I don't think they should be because I I, I just, you know, I, I look at their two losses. They were that, you know, they they lost. To, to Ole Miss, who's a good team. They lost to Florida State, who's a good team. But they got smacked by Florida State. Their resume is built around a, a road win over Missouri. Okay, the rest of their schedule, not very good. But I'm not going to sit here and be upset that they're, you know, ranked ahead of Notre Dame. It, it, it is what it is. It's I'd say maybe have Notre Dame ranked a spot or two higher. I, I'm good with it. I really am good with it. I'm, I'm not – it's not something where – there's other people that I'm like, Notre Dame should absolutely be ranked ahead of that team. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and – and lose my mind because Notre Dame's ranked behind LSU. But somebody asked me the other day, if Notre Dame and, and LSU both run the table, which team has has is most deserving of a playoff spot? And I'd say it's LSU because they will have beaten Missouri on the road. They will have beaten Alabama on the road, and they will have beaten Georgia on a neutral field. Like they would absolutely have a two-loss two loss playoff resume, in my opinion. And then, of course, Brian Kelly gets all the love for, you know, he, he chokes a couple games away, and then now he's coaching with not as much pressure, and that's when Brian Kelly's at his best when, you know, eliminate national championship and then coach with no pressure, and that's, you know, your teams come out and play great. And then he'd have two wins over Bama. So as a Notre Dame fan, as a fan, you know, I, I just – I wouldn't enjoy that, to be honest with you. Uh, but even more practically speaking, Alabama beating LSU knocks LSU permanently behind Notre Dame. They, there's no way LSU jumps ahead of Notre Dame if if Alabama beats them, in my opinion, because now you'd need Bama to lose. You'd need Bama to lose two more times because LSU would have two conference losses. Bama would have none. And so you'd need Bama to lose. Actually, hold on a second. You'd need Bama to lose three times. That's not happening. There's not enough eight SEC games left for LSU to win the SEC title. None. They're eliminated, I believe, because they'd have they had two losses. Bama would have zero. If Bama loses two games, they'd still have the head-to-head over LSU. And so they need it's just not happening. So you need Notre Dame to win. Here's the other more practical reason besides just I dislike Brian Kelly. 
And I like Tommy Reese. I've said this before. I, I had some issues with him as an OC at times and, and all, but as a individually, I, I like Tommy Reese. I'd like to see him get the win over Brian Kelly. But even more so practically, if LSU loses to Georgia or loses to Bama, they're permanently behind Notre Dame. Now Georgia can knock off all Miss. That probably knocks them behind Notre Dame. And then if Notre, if Georgia knocks off Alabama, then that could potentially knock Alabama behind Notre Dame or potentially set up a bowl game matchup between Notre Dame and Alabama, which I would love to see. If Alabama runs a table and beats Georgia, then you potentially have two SEC teams in, but that's a different conversation for a different day. And we don't really view Notre Dame as a playoff team. If you're someone who is holding out for the very outside hope that Notre Dame gets into the playoff, Alabama losing to Georgia, but beating LSU, would would you be your best case for that? Uh, but again, it's it's highly unlikely. But LSU beating Bama would all but eliminate it because you'd still probably have a two-loss Alabama team eventually jumping back ahead of Notre Dame and just to at least pad it. Because what they would do is they would they would jump Notre Dame, they would jump Alabama ahead of Notre Dame to pad LSU's resume to try to make the the debate to have LSU be the the, the LSU and Georgia to, to kind of be in the at the championship game, which is just a bunch of nonsense. So you want. You want Alabama to beat LSU and just eliminate the conversation altogether. That's practically what's best for Notre Dame. And then, of course, if you're someone like me, I'm I'm just incapable of of wanting LSU to win unless them winning directly reflect, reflect, affects Notre Dame. But it's going to be a great game. Just looking at the game from a matchup standpoint, it really is fascinating. It, it really is going to be an interesting game. You've got an Alabama defense that's been pretty good this year. Not not like elite, elite Bama defense, but it's been pretty good this year. They weren't great against Tennessee last week, at least not in the first half. Much better in the second half. You know, it, it hasn't been a vintage Bama defense. It really hasn't. But they've had their moments. I mean, they held a really good Ole Miss team to 10 points and uh, looked good doing it, in my opinion. I mean, that Ole Miss team is scoring 38.9 points per game. Uh, it's an Ole Miss team averaging 474 yards of offense. It's an Ole Miss team that scored 55 points against LSU. Uh, this year, they've scored 73, 37, 48, 55, 27, 28, and 33 points in their wins. Scored 10 against Alabama. In the game surrounding the Bama game, they had 550 yards, 9.8 per play against Georgia Tech. The week after, they went for had 55 points, 706 yards, and 8 yards per play against LSU. Bama held them to 4.63 yards and only 10 points. So it is a very good Bama defense with a pretty good secondary, especially at corner, and and um, against an LSU offense that honestly is right now the best offense in the country. And what makes it the best offense in the country is just the fact that they have they have a, they have some balance. I mean they they do. I mean this is an LSU team uh, that when you look at it, the the biggest addition to their their team this offseason, in my opinion, is Logan Diggs. He's averaging 87.3 yards per game. Part of that's because they pulled in, pulled him in some, some games where they were blowing him out. He's provided a great compliment to Jaden Daniels. Uh, they didn't play him a ton against Army. He only had six carries against Army. Uh, a game they won 62 to nothing. But the four games before that, 14 carries for 97 yards against Arkansas, 19 for 101 against Ole Miss, 24 for 134 against Auburn, I mean against uh, Missouri, 18 for 97 against Auburn. He also had 15 for 115 against Scrambling. The two of the blowouts they don't. The two of the blowouts they had. Uh, Mississippi State only carried the ball nine times, and then Army only carried six. So he's been a great addition to that LSU team. And he serves as a, as a great between the tackles complement to Logan to uh, Jaden Daniels, and then now Josh Williams can kind of be your 
your, uh, you know, bring him in for big plays kind of back, you know, but Logan and Jaden have turned into a really, really dynamic one-two punch in the run game. And then on top of that, of course, Jaden Daniels has been absolutely money this year throwing the football. He's been a fun, I mean, to me, he's my, if I'm voting for the Heisman, he's right now my number one Heisman guy. Cause I, I don't care about best player on best team. I care about the, who's the most outstanding player in college football. And when I watch Jaden Daniels, he is the most outstanding player in college football right now, in my opinion. I, I don't, I don't think it's close, honestly. I mean, it, right now, now, and this is a game that potentially could put him on the map for some other people if they beat Alabama, but could also be something that kind of eliminates him if he doesn't play well against a really good Bama, Bama team. But you're talking about a kid that's gone at least 71.4% of his passes in each of his last four games. And if you go back since Florida State, he's had one game where he's completed less than 71.4% of his passes. And that was against Arkansas when he went completed 69% of his passes. He has been outstanding this season. And he only, only threw for 279 yards against Army because he only threw 15 passes. He went 11 to 15 before they pulled him. And he's been a dynamic player on the ground as well. Uh, he's got 521 rushing yards before the Army game. He had gone for 99 against Ole Miss, 130 against Missouri, and then 93 against Auburn. Very, very dynamic player. Uh, to me, top quarterback in college football this year, just from start to finish. So that's a dynamic offense. He's got a lot of talent receiver. Obviously, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, Kyron Lacey. You got Mason Taylor at tight end. Uh, Logan Diggs out of the backfield. has got eight catches for 82 yards. Josh Williams has five catches for 79 yards. John Emery's got three catches for 58 yards. So there's some running backs getting touches in the in the pass game as well. Very balanced offense, balanced and explosive. Their offensive line, not great, but it's not bad. Uh, that's going to be the key for Alabama. Alabama's going to have to be able to get after the quarterback. That, that to me, that's the, the ultimately what's going to determine this game. Can Alabama get after the quarterback? And here's the key. If you are able to get after Jaden Daniels, can you bring him down in the backfield and, and not have it be a situation like with Notre Dame had last year against Caleb Williams where they pressured Caleb Williams, but, I mean, he still got away. LSU right now ranks 74th in, in most sacks allowed per game. And Alabama's defense is ninth in sacks per game. That's going to be the key to this game. Can Bama pressure the quarterback? And when they do, can they force Jaden Daniels to either A, be sacked, or B, throw in completions? That's going to be the key. And the thing I like about Bama's defense, they're ninth in sacks per game. Their highest sack game this year is five. It's just consistently with sacks, but also they they get a lot of pressure. It's not just the sacks. They get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. We've talked about how much pressure Notre Dame gets on teams this year. If you look at pro football focus numbers, Notre Dame has 180 pressures in nine games. If you look at Alabama this year and what they're able to do, rushing the passer, they're at 167 in eight games. So a slightly higher rate than Notre Dame's. So they're, they're getting after the quarterback a lot. They have 54 total hits on the quarterback this season. If you look at Notre Dame and what they've done this season in one more game, Notre Dame has 60 hits on the quarterback. So, again, very similar pressure rate to what Notre Dame does. And the reason I bring that up is because what Notre Dame has been able to neutralize big-time quarterbacks this year. They did that against Riley Leonard. They did that against Caleb Williams. They've been able to do that with pressure, consistent pressure, not just sacks, but consistent pressure. And Alabama has very similar numbers to what Notre Dame has. 
so uh, and, and they've got really good individual pass rushers. Obviously, Dallas Turner's having a great year, uh, seven sacks in eight games. Chris Braswell's got six and a half sacks, so they got two really good edge players that can get after the quarterback. They're going to have to. They're going to have to play well. And then they need Jalen Milrow to step up and make some big plays because that's my that's my big concern from an Alabama standpoint is I can see Alabama's defense playing great, but Jaden Daniels is able to make enough plays to get them to 24 to 27 points, and that's enough to beat Alabama. That's that's your concern if you're an Alabama fan is that their defense does step up and make plays, does hold LSU to 30 or four or less points because, again, you're talking about a team in LSU that right now leads college football with 47 points per game. You could hold them to 17 points below their average and still get beat if your offense doesn't play well. So that's you know that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to score to beat LSU. You're not going to beat them 17 to 14, in my opinion. I just don't see that happening. So uh, Bama's offense is going to have to step up, and and that's where Tommy Reese is going to have to put together a really good game plan. They're going to need Jalen Milrow to play a lot better than he did last week against against um, Tennessee. They're going to need him to step up and, and throw the football effectively. Make some of the plays like he did against Texas A&M. Uh, he's got to he's got to use his legs more. The last four games, Milrow's been minus thirty one, minus nineteen, and three. They're going to need to allow him to use his legs more in this game and make more plays. And that's going to be um, that's going to be it. So anyway, Alabama, LSU. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you got to be roll tied this weekend, in my opinion. I, I I don't I don't. Can any of you make a case for LSU being the team you're rooting for? I just I can't I can't do it. And I also think it helps learning practically. So that's going to do it for our breakdown of this weekend's big games. And, of course, the biggest game is Notre Dame at Clemson this weekend, which is a noon kickoff on ABC. So we'll all be watching that one. So I'm going to get out of here, guys. It's been a lot of fun today. Hopefully uh, you were you enjoyed the show and, and, and uh, have a deeper understanding of this matchup between Notre Dame and Clemson and the big games this weekend. I will be back tomorrow. Uh, Ryan and I will be back for our Keys to Victory and our Notre Dame Prediction show it's going to be interesting to see what the staff does for their predictions this week so we'll have some fun doing that tomorrow that'll be tomorrow at one o'clock tonight vince will be on uh the vince and i believe jesse will have the ib nation sports talk show tonight at six o'clock and i will talk to you all very soon if you have not done so folks do me a favor hit that like button hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell share this podcast and of course if you haven't done so sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com have a great day everybody and i'll talk to you again on the irish breakdown podcast
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.